0: It is Sunday, April 27th, no, No, April 7th, Jesus Christ, I'm jumping in time again, ever since I became a a time traveler, (laughs) Travel back in time, (laughs) so this is the episode 6 of The Rock Show with Rocker Mike, and today we got a special episode, and it's on The Clash, Right. And we will also talk about, the uh, two. Sh- uh, we went to a show last Sunday, you went to a show last night. Yeah. And also, we'll be talking about the Song of the Week, probably something, The Clash. We'll yeah. probably be the about album of the week, the yeah. The album of the week, and we'll probably be talking about The Clash, self-titled album, The Clash. Yep,
1: yep. definitely.
0: So, um, <clears throat> um how do we start? It was 19, what, 76 when they uh, met? Uh,
1: no, uh, earlier than that. The, the, really? the Clash, the... the, the the roots of the clash started in 74 um out of what was called the pub rock scene it was kind of a an interesting scene in england that was going on at that time it was like glam rock bands like uh bowie and t-rex were dying down a little bit and there was a, a quick little scene called pub rock uh one of the main bands was eddie and the hot rods uh they continued into the punk era and kind of adapted to it but pub rock was like a quick little scene in england and uh, a guy named John Graham Miller, uh we all know him as Joe Strummer. Um, he was in a band called the 101ers. And um, they never recorded an album. They actually had a single called Keys to Your Heart, which if you looked that up, you could definitely hear some, some Clash sounds in that early music. Um, Mick Jones, the other major member of the Clash, Uh, was in a, I guess you could call it a proto-punk band called the London SS. Okay? London London SS. SS. And, uh, you know, supposedly they they never actually played uh, anywhere live. They were working in the studio, uh, for a short period, I think a matter of months. But that, that core, you know, between the London SS and, uh, and the 101ers became the Clash. Um... Basically, by '76, the pub rock scene was kind of done, and punk was starting. And uh, Mick Jones and uh, it was uh, Mick Jones and Paul Simonon and a guy named Keith Levine were hanging out down on the King's Road uh, with uh, guys that were in the Sex Pistols and hanging around uh, Malcolm McLaren's shop, Sex, and all that. And uh, we talked about that last week. Remember the Sex yeah. Pistols show? Um and you know basically um, Mick, Mick Jones had said, you know, pub rock is dead and punk is the next thing and that's what we're going to do. Wow. That's what they loved. So um uh the Clash got together, they they had a guy named Bernie Rhodes as a manager. Um and he was kind of like a Malcolm McLaren type but not as uh not as much of like a piece of shit. I, you know that's the only way I could describe McLaren. But uh, Rhodes, Rhodes pushed for this band to be formed, okay? And um, they, eventually it was uh, Jones, Paul Simonon, Keith Levine, and Terry Chimes. And they opened for the Sex Pistols July 4th, 1976.
0: What, what did you say? Because I got Mick Jones, Paul Simini, and Paul Sim... I got a guy, Nicky
1: Top. Oh, Topper, Topper was not in the band yet. I'm going to talk about that. Okay. okay. They had a couple of drummer changes yeah, early I got on.
0: Terry, I got also a yeah. Terry, Terry <laughs> Chimes.
1: Terry Chimes was on drums in the beginning. Uh, he would be in and out of the band a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but the original core, like Strummer actually wasn't in the band in the beginning uh he they had Keith Levine and when they brought Strummer in he was going to be just a lead singer he did play guitar but he was just going to be the lead singer and uh there was some back and forth with that like that like I said July 4th 1976 they they opened for the Sex Pistols now what also happened on that same date is the Ramones had come over from America for their first tour of the UK yeah, it was that date, July 4th. I think they played Dingwalls, uh, which is a club, major club in that in the London area. And uh, July 5th, the next day, guys from the Clash and uh, the Sex Pistols and anybody else who was on that scene back then went to go see the Ramones. So that's kind of that whole back and forth where they influenced each other kind of thing. Um, what 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 stands out about the Clash to me, uh, especially early on, even even throughout their whole career, I should say, but especially early on, is that they were political, uh, in a way that the Sex Pistols weren't. Uh, the Sex Pistols were very political, but it was more like. I, I felt the 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 Clash had more of something to say, more of solutions as opposed to just screaming and yelling about things. Um, I, I you know. And and Jones and, and Strummer at first were kind of unsure about their writing, how they wanted to write songs. And, and Bernie Rhodes was the guy, the manager, he was the guy that pushed them to write about songs that, uh, about t- t- topics that, uh, things that were happening to them, as opposed to just being like, you know, writing about boy and girls and love and stuff like that. Um, then... Uh, August 29th, 1976, they played a show with the Buzzcocks and the Sex Pistols. Buzzcocks. Yeah. They a very interesting band. Yeah, they, they, they were. Uh, sadly, we lost Pete Shelley, uh, the singer of the Buzzcocks, a couple yeah. of months ago. Uh, we could definitely do a show about them. They were a very interesting band, very talented songwriter. Shelley was. Uh, they were from Manchester. So what was happening was you had now a band from Manchester. And the Pistols from London and the Clash from the same London area uh, doing shows together. And what that kind of crystallized in England was now we have a scene. Okay, because Manchester's up in the north, yeah. you got London down in the south, now the whole country is, is getting into so this. There's a buzz, John. There's We're a buzz. People
0: are starting to sit punk and right. going, this is pretty fucking
1: good. Right, right. Now, uh, in September of that year, that was September 76, Keith Levine left the band. Well, there's creative differences, and, and I think uh, Joe Strummer was really kind of uh, pushing forth as like a major force in the band. And Levine is a, is a, is a figure that, that doesn't leave the scene, though. He, I mean, he was around the, the whole beginning of the punk scene. He ended up being in a band with uh, Johnny Lydon after the Pistols broke up called Public Image Limited, and he played with him for a long time. So Keith, Keith's a, a talented musician all by himself and he kind of was in the roots of the Clash, but then went on to other things. Um, what the
0: bands, uh, bands he joined after
1: that? Well, Public Image public Limited. Limited, yeah. I mean Three the pin, uh, Yeah, I think he, he might have uh, gigged around with a couple of people for a year or two, but when the Pistols broke up in early 78, uh, Rotten started Public Image within a few months, within maybe a six, seven-month period. Okay. You know, and he came in right away as a guitar- guitarist. They were pretty popular. yeah. Like No, Public Image Limited is a a fantastic band, uh, and that's really the body of Johnny Lydon's material. Pistols is just one album. Yeah, Pistols. Public Image Limited. (laughs) Exactly. He did a lot more Pill albums than he did Pistols albums. And uh, so uh, Levine leaves the band, and that was in September. Then in November, Terry Chimes leaves the band as the drummer so they replaced him briefly by a guy named rob harper on yeah, drums you got that, in my you head got that down was yeah.
0: Nicky and, uh, Vince
1: White. there was a couple of guys so in between uh rob harper is that's is interesting to note because he was the drummer during the anarchy tour the anarchy tour was uh the clash the pistols the damned and johnny thunders and the heartbreakers that's a sh- that's that was a classic uh uh, lineup of bands, they they were supposed to do something like 20 shows, they only did like five or six, uh, because they were getting banned up and down England, they couldn't play anywhere, but, uh, so Rob Harper was on drums for that, um, then uh, in June of 77, the, uh, I'm sorry, excuse me, January of 77, the Clash signed with uh, CBS Records, and they got a hundred thousand pounds, which was a lot of money That's at the money. at the time. It was, um, but when you look at the details of that contract, it's probably one of the worst deals anybody ever signed. Oh my God! Really, in in history, in bands. Okay, right. I I think today, if you could make a class out of like you know how to do the economics of a band, this this contract would be. The perfect example is something not to sign, okay? Because what happened was the catch is they had to pay for their own tour, they had to pay for their own recordings, they had to pay for their own uh, uh, expenses like uh, artwork or any kind of expenses on the tour. If they needed remixes, they had to pay for that. So what the hell was CBS going to pay for? So
0: pretty much they gave them the hundred thousand to support to just support tour.
1: their own shit yeah and they had it, and so what would they get out of that? They got nothing, you know, but the thing was these guys and, and a lot of the early punk bands in england they, they didn 't have any money. These guys were just you know low low middle class working class types of guys. They were just happy to have a few dollars in their, yeah. pocket, in, their in their pocket, to go down to the pub, drink a few beers. It was a lot of money to them, you know, but when you start factoring in all those expenses of making an album, that one hundred thousand pounds does not mean shit, so uh they started recording, and uh, they released their first single in march of seventy seven called white riot uh, and it was a it was a call to arms. Uh, a lot of people took that song kind of the wrong way uh critics of punk were saying it was like you know a racist song or anything like that. It was not if you listen to the words it it's just kind of like saying you know there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of rioting going on in England at the time. Okay, I mean people oh, had no like, money.
0: You think that also had a? Uh, I think that's a reason they associate um, punk with all the violence or the shit of punk was like really violent. Some of these people, especially in England, get gigs like yeah. You do? You would try to be a punk band, and they're like, no. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're right? A, face up, exactly,
1: okay? exactly. And and but the Clash were 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 singing about social strife. Okay. Uh, there's something that you got to understand about the English scene. I mean, these guys grew up in areas like Shepherd Bush and stuff, and they had very high like, immigrant Jamaican populations, and they were mixed in. So it was a different kind of dynamic than you saw here in the States. Uh, the, 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 there was a lot of problems with the uh, Jamaican immigration, immigrant population in England at the time. There, there was a lot of racism. There was a lot of discrimination against them. The cops beat the crap out of them, you know, all kinds of stuff. And the Clash were guys that related to them, okay, because they grew up with them. And they were singing about that stuff. So when they were saying white riot, they were saying, white well, riot. we want to riot with you too. Yeah. You know, and uh, some people took it as a, as a racist thing, but it, it was not at all. Uh, there was a guy, um, and I just want to mention it as a side note because it really it's a big topic. There was a guy named Don Letts. Uh, and he's one of my favorite guys from that whole scene. Uh, he was a Jamaican guy, uh, born of Jamaican immigrant parents. He was born in the UK. Uh, basically, introduced the whole English punk scene to reggae. Okay. Yeah, uh,
0: the Clash did. The Clash went to a different roof they did that, uh, like Afro punk or whatever they call it, something like
1: that. No, well, no, the, that term didn't exist yet. But but they influenced. They, they had infused. Reggae yeah, into their music, yeah, which which I'll idea. talk about, which I'll talk about, because yeah, the cool. first album and the second album and all that stuff had songs that were straight up reggae, yeah. you know, and I love that about them, you know, that was that was something that that I liked a lot. Uh, so the first single was "White Riot." Um, the album, the Clash, the self titled album, came out in April of '77, and uh, they were hoping that the album would be released in the United States. They really, you know, like most. English bands they wanted to crack the states and and come here here. Uh, but CBS refused to release that album in the states okay they were giving them a hard time they didn't like the sound of it they didn't like the mix they thought it was too uh, I don't know garage sounding or or whatever they just felt it it just wouldn't sell in the United States they actually didn't release it in the states until like two years later after their second album was released first so that's how, how that happened
0: uh, so they, probably, they probably had a lot more confidence with the first album, with the second album, than the first album until they released the second album in the States. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean. And then people lost their mind about the fucking album. It's okay, we gotta release this. <laughs> yeah, album. yeah, because
1: the second album did, you know, fairly well in the States. Uh, by the time the third album, London Calling, which we're gonna get into next week. That's a um, that's Yeah, a, now that, that, that was their big break for them here. Yeah. Um, so. You know, the,
0: Which is the song I always, it's like such a corny song, but it's the you hear it, you know, it's done right away. Uh, Which one? Rock the Cash
1: Ball. Oh, like, yeah, that's, 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 from, like, that's later period stuff, you yeah. You hear
0: that shit, and like, I think that's almost like an anthem, cuz that song got like a real cold following. That was
1: uh, top, uh, top five here in the States, I <coughs> was think. Was it? Okay. Yeah, I got I to gotta look it up again, because I'm going to talk about it next week when we do the second part. But uh, yeah, Rock the Casbar was a, was definitely top five, top ten in the states. I mean, that was I saw them on that tour. That's how I got into them, oh, you know. And then I I got into the earlier stuff right after that. Um,
0: so I'm sorry you throw you off. But yeah, you, were, you came in with a side note today that you told me there was um, Mick Jagger that released. Um
1: Oh, yeah. Uh, let, well, yeah, I forgot to po- talk about this last week when we were doing the Sex Pistols yes. thing. No, 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 that's okay, that's okay. Uh, you know, we had a good time talking about the Pistols and, and Sid Vicious, Sid and Nancy and all that. You know, because Mick Jagger was in the news all week this week with his, yeah. his heart surgery, and, yeah. and, you know, we wish him the best and all that, knock on wood.
0: i I can get some food
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um so,
0: Sorry, we're, we're doing a live podcast today. That's okay. <laughs> we had a ball. Are oh, you in the middle of the line? Yeah. Ball, live. <laughs> Don't
1: worry. <laughs> oh, we got a lumped up person early this morning. Um, yeah, what I was going to say is, is that uh, you know, Mick Jagger was in the news this week, so it, it, I remembered something, and that was that uh, when Sid Vicious had been arrested for killing his girlfriend, Nancy, uh, Mick Jagger actually had posted the bail. A lot of people didn't know that. Rob didn't know that, right, Rob? Yeah, I Yeah, yeah. But um so anyway, getting getting back to the clash again. Um Uh Okay, so like I said, they wouldn't release the album in the States until seventy nine. Um they had brought in Terry Chimes briefly on that album, okay, to play a little bit. Um but uh they eventually settled in on a guy named Topper Headon, Okay, and Topper Headon played I mean, he was a great drummer, uh, but he also played bass, piano, and drums, okay, so he Holy was pretty, yeah, very talented, multi-talented guy, um, and that first Clash album is, to me, is probably like the top five best albums of all time, easily up there, okay, I mean, it's, it's, it's heavy, it stands the test of time now, you know, uh, it doesn't sound dated at all, you got, got, you got songs on there that, uh, you know, everything from reggae. Okay, they do a cover of Junior Mervyn's Police and Thieves, yeah. which is on every jukebox here down in, yeah. the, you know, down in the village. We hear it all the time. Um, White Man in Hammersmith Palais is a reggae-influenced song. Uh, and it just showed the, the diversity of the band, really. They, they were into a lot of different sounds, okay, and they kind of incorporated that within the punk rock sound of the time. You know, the Pistols uh, didn't do reggae. Now, Johnny Lydon is a huge, tremendous reggae fan. Uh, you know, John Lydon, a lot of people don't realize when the Pistols broke up, uh, he actually went to Jamaica. He was, you know, continued... he was still signed to Virgin Records, so he went He went down there to uh, check out some reggae bands for a new label that Virgin was starting called Frontline Records. And he was supposed to only go down there for about a month. Oh. And he stayed there for six months. Oh, and he, si- he, he signed so many bands to that Frontline Records that, if, if you think about it, he's like single-handedly <laughs> responsible for a lot of that early 80s, like 1979, 80, 81 period of, of English reggae. He's really solely responsible to that. That Frontline Records had all kinds of bands on it.
0: You know what's funny? Reggae is a very um. It, it, it always gets to a certain point that gets very popular, and then it's like just disappear. Yeah, then it comes like, back. Then you get like this one guy that everybody's like, oh, blah, 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 and yeah. it's reggae all over again.
1: Well, in the states here, we have kind of like a a weird thing with reggae. It, it never really t- totally takes off. Like you say, it, it kind of gets big for a little while and then, and then disappears. It disappears. Yeah, but in other parts of the world. Obviously the Caribbean is huge. Okay. Yeah. But in other parts of the world like in England
0: But reggae even the influence of Spanish music out reggaeton is pretty much fucking reggae but it's, it's Spanish.
1: Absolutely. You know, re- the the sounds of reggae... I mean, you know, I could I could do a whole series on reggae music. It's something that I love. Uh you know, being a Rasta, it's it's just spiritual music. Okay, and that's you know that's a whole other thing. Uh, but the Clash were definitely on to that. Uh more than any other band. The only other band that even touched on reggae in any regular basis back then was a girl band called The Slits. Slits. And they were an interesting band. Uh, but even their stuff that would be considered reggae wasn't entirely reggae. It just had some reggae rhythms and stuff. But The Clash were definitely doing real reggae music at the time. You had... They uh, uh,
0: definitely had like, that reggae
1: vibe. With, absolutely. With that punk pandemosa it, like it was a, a punk like and reggae, reggae combination. And yeah. I mean Bob Marley went to went to England at that time. Okay? And he recorded the song called Punky Reggae Party. Yeah. You know, and uh if you read Bob's any of Bob's biographies, they he he talks they talk about how he didn't totally get the punk thing, but they loved him. Yeah. You know, so he hung around because uh, they loved his music.
0: Even you know, punk punk was like you get this really skinny Skinny guys singing. Skinny little skinny, white, skinny white guys, white guys <laughs> singing reggae. With the, with the skinny G D just out there fucking they look like they're gonna die, but they they got so much fucking passion and yeah. voice and and then they just start saying it's like this angry like go fuck Yeah. Like, go fuck yourself. Yeah. It's fucking
1: yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I mean reggae to me is black punk music. Yeah. Okay, and uh that's why it's it's probably in the states it's never totally accepted it just comes and goes yeah, comes, once in a yeah, while and yeah um when they got topper head into the band uh they were anxious to start recording because he really didn't play too much on that first album or at all i don't i don't remember exactly um but uh they recorded a single uh produced by famous reggae producer Lee Scratch Perry a song called complete control um and that was with that you know, core lineup with Topperhead on drums. Um, the second album, uh, they, they were anxious to to record that. Now, they, you know, they were constantly touring and everything still. They were still working hard. Uh, they still hadn't come to the states yet, okay? So they were touring in England constantly, uh, but they wanted to get a second album done, and they had enough material to do it. So uh, CBS had said to them, look, you know, we didn't like the sound of the first album. We're going to bring in a guy as the producer, and we're going to change the sound a little bit to make it more accessible to the States, which was the idea. So they got a guy named Sandy Perlman. Sandy Perlman was a famous uh, producer. He's known for his work with Blue Oyster Cult. So it's kind of like a, a weird combination, Clash and Blue Oyster Cult. But uh I think I think CBS thought they were gonna soften their sound a little bit, and and you know, I figured the Clash probably just said you know we'll give it a shot, whatever the fuck happens. So they started recording, give them enough rope. Yeah, but that's they, the they second.
0: Were, they changed their sound a little bit. Like, they like, did. They, from they from did. From the from where you hear the first Clash album to the last it's, one, it's totally it different. The same. To- it no, it's totally
1: different. totally different. I mean, if, by the time they did cut the crap which really is a crap album as far as a I'm concerned. Album. That's a shit album. 1985, I think it came out. Yeah. And we'll get into that a little bit next week. Uh, you know, it, it, they, they were a different band. Yeah, you know? totally different. But band. between the first and the second album, there's some slight differences, but nothing that you go, oh shit, they're changing their sound. You know, they're yeah. selling out or anything like that. Um, they started recording Give Them Enough Rope in November of '78. And that was the first album to be released in the United States. Uh, the album actually went to number two in England, and it got up to 128 here on Billboard. That's as wow. high as it got. Which, I mean, when they look at albums, they tend to look at the top 200. So it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a total failure. Um, the single, uh, first single off it was "Tommy Gun," which I can remember getting hearing that on the radio. That was that was getting some airplay, but in the UK it got as high as number nineteen. Yeah, I don't think it charted that high here. Uh but if they you were
0: made it to the UK to nineteen, it probably made it hit to the top fifty. You but know, it's funny, it?
1: the, the the clash weren't like the Sex Pistols in the beginning. The Sex Pistols singles all went to number one. Okay. Uh, whether or not they called it a number one, like I told you last week, yeah. sometimes they left that out. Yeah, it was actually the best-selling single of the week. Yeah, but you the told cl- me that the... they
0: didn't even put on yeah, They hated it. the band so much they would they <laughs> wouldn't
1: put it they wouldn't put a, a number one that week. You know, that was funny. yeah. Um, so what happened with the second album is they were you know they released it in the states um, and by February of '79 they were going to come here for the first time and they went on tour with Bo Diddley that's okay, so such a weird thing. That's Classic a weird combination, yeah. Um, and from what I understood, like, Diddley wasn't crazy about them at first, you know, being on tour with them. And uh, eventually he warmed up to it. Well, they started off in uh, in California, and they worked their way east. I can
0: see you want me to do what? With no. yeah. who?
1: <laughs> so they started off in, uh, I think it was in Berkeley, was one of the first shows, playing to a bunch of college students that's you know the,
0: that's the way you get your fan base you go yeah. to colleges you get these kids hooked and yep, yep, you got yep. fans for the next 20-30 years
1: yep yep um next week we'll go into uh you know the second second part of the clash I, I always think of the clash as kind of like two different bands in a way Every the first two everything up to the first two albums and then there's London Calling and everything after that. Yeah. You know, um, on that tour, though, I got to mention, uh, when they first came to the States, they ended up playing the Palladium, uh, in September of 79 oh. and, uh, the punk scene here was still going strong and, you know, CBGBs was going, Max's was going, all these places and, uh, everybody that was anybody went down to see them. Um, an interesting side note is, uh, Johnny Ramone is on record saying that, uh, He never was worried about too many of the English bands being a threat to them, except when The Clash came out with White Riot. When they first heard that single, Johnny Ramone said, oh shit, they're as good as us. Yeah, so, and, and they would eclipse the Ramones, eventually. They would be way bigger than the Ramones ever were, as far as selling records but but Strummer himself was a huge Ramones fan when when they uh, when they played that, that show in 76 at uh, in July yeah right jeez uh, the Clash were one of these guys I told you was at that show and uh, I think it was I think it was uh, Johnny Ramone had snuck the Clash in through a window something like that <laughs> like he ca- you know like he leaned out the window and pulled him up or something in, in in the club that they were playing in something like that you know so but, uh, yeah, I mean, next week we'll talk about the second part of The Clash, which is interesting, even though uh, some of the music is not as good. It, it, that's when they made all their money. That yeah. was the most popular stuff, the rock, the casbah, the London Calling, uh, Should I Stay, Should I Go? Oh, that, that's,
0: that's such a, that's, such a like, that, that's like the fight song. You can yeah. play that like in a stadium. Exactly, exactly. People exactly. are just going to lose it. They, they, they love this yeah. stuff. And people are going to lose their minds when you play that. Right, right, right. I saw
1: that you um, added uh, you're on Twitter now. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting that up and running. Uh, Rocker Mike two one two on Twitter. Um, I'll start tweeting out little things here and there. And I got my Instagram. That's also Rocker Mike two one two. And I think I'm getting out of Facebook jail today. Oh yeah. Finally, Five finally, days. after 30 days of being in the hole.
0: If you go on um, Facebook, Joe, I think you can start a rock group page. Maybe I'll get it started. <laughs> the rock shows page, and yeah, have like a whole yeah, we group.
1: should do it. We should do it just, uh, just for the show, and you know, get some <coughs> hits and hopefully get some more listeners. Uh, Who's ever listening now, we really appreciate. It. This is something that. Uh, me and Rob like to do every week. It's, it's a lot of fun. Once a week.
0: Um, you want to get to, uh, we had a field trip on Sunday.
1: Yeah, Sunday, we went, uh, Sunday last week uh, in the evening, we went over to Coney Island Baby to catch uh, rockabilly legend Robert Gordon, uh, who was fantastic. Was what like would what, what, you think? It, it was great. Yeah. Those old
0: guys were rocking. Yeah. I and mean, you can't fucking with the sound guy, why don't you...
1: Yeah. Wait, let yeah. It fix, go. fix the sound. Fix the sound. because yeah. I'm here with some
0: musician, a great yeah. musician. I'm there with. Yeah, I mean, he had. That, that, like, oh, that,
1: what what made me so excited about that show wasn't just seeing Gordon; he was seeing Chris Spedding too. You know, Chris Spedding is a great guitar player, and uh, he actually did like his own little set yeah. there before before they came that on. That was fantastic. Yeah. that
0: was great.
1: When he came out right away, uh, he and he did a couple of his songs, like "Wild in the Streets" and and a couple others. Uh, once you started hearing the guitar to someday some way, yeah. and Gordon came out, and that was just fucking great. I, I haven't. Opening song was great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's one of his most famous you know songs. And uh, Robert Gore is an interesting cat. I mean, he, he he started off in the punk scene. I don't know if, if you knew that. He was in a band called the Tough Dots, okay, which actually. Uh, uh, he would be with them only briefly. They would record one song called All for the Love of Rock and Roll that was recorded live at CBGB's on the CBGB's live album that came out in, I think, 76, uh, which is a good album. Everybody should pick that up. It's a, it's a good little time capsule of all those early CB's bands. The Ramones aren't on there, okay, but it's the other bands, the lesser-known bands that are live, and uh, that's a good collection you should pick up if you're interested in that. Uh, but... He played for what? A little over an hour? hour. You know? Uh, did uh, the all, the, all the...
0: The was in that. What was the name? Yeah. Of the oh, yeah.
1: They were called uh, Jeremy and the Harlequins. Um, and I got to talk to the lead singer, Jeremy, a little while after that. I'd like to try to possibly have him on this show. I'm going to reach out to him. Uh, they were very, like, 50s, early 60s influenced. Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... To hear somebody do that kind of young guys, really, they were, they, they were young guys doing that kind of music today. I found uh, I found exciting. I I I grew up, you know. It's funny, like I, I grew up with all kinds of music. You know, my dad was a big doo wop guy. You know, he grew up in Brooklyn from that era, so he always had doo wop music on and and uh, you know WCBS FM back when it was a real oldie station. Uh, he played that all the time. So I grew up around that kind of sound. And uh, to hear like new guys doing that was very cool. Uh, but I went to a show last night. Yeah, I was okay. there. Uh, yeah, me and, it was me and my lovely wife Sandy and a little Jerry here from the bar. We took a road trip out to Nazareth, Pennsylvania. That's a hell of a road trip. Yeah, it was a three-hour trip to PA. The fucking traffic was was from hell okay but we got there last night to see uh the undead one of my favorite bands and uh um, the nihilistics and there were a couple other bands i think that played i i, I didn't get to see them because due to the traffic i got there a little bit late but the two main bands i wanted to see were the nihilistics and and the undead and i didn't get to see them it was a benefit show for joey image joey image is the uh one of the original drummers of the misfits uh, he has cancer, and they 've been doing fundraisers for him for a while now to wow. make sure he 's okay um, They had an auction for some uh, some he's he 's the guy that drew a lot of the uh, the stuff with the the misfits the, the you know the album covers and stuff like that the Crimson Ghost and stuff like that uh, when you look at the artwork you you 'll know it was him that did it um, but uh, the nihilistics okay it 's a band i haven 't seen in close to 20 years they were an original hardcore band from the city here Uh, they played like uh, places like A7 which uh, you people now probably know as Niagara okay but it used to be called A7 back in the day Uh, they played there all the time and uh, I haven't seen them in a while and I was it was like it was like looking back in time they sounded fantastic Uh, they were funny they were always funny we'd mess with the crowd and stuff like that and last night was in a was in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. I'd never been there before. Little town, and the punk show was in a place called the Jacksonian Democratic Club. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> so gee. it was like an American Legion kind of place, you know, big bar and bunch of old fogies watching watching the bands and these punks coming in, and there was some old school guys slam dancing and stuff like that. It was cool, very cool. Um, then the undead came on. And uh, they were headlining, and uh, they're one of my favorite bands. Bobby Steele, uh, his lovely wife Diana, you got Tristan Graves on bass, and uh, Joe Stoker on drums. These guys can play, okay, and uh, especially Bobby, who I think is, is a really underrated guitar player. Uh, they're all really nice people, uh, very friendly, they care about their fans, um, and they're a lot of fun, and, which is what it's all about. You know, it's not about, uh, you know, kicking ass and egos and all that stuff. You know, it's about having a good time. And when you go see the undead, you have a good time. You have a good time. That was yeah. the
0: show we went that Robert Gordon show, was very good. Oh, that yeah, yeah. Answered. That was yeah. Not, Other than that. It was, bur- it was his birthday that night, too, oh, remember? Yeah, yeah Robert oh, yeah. Gordon. But we had that fucking drunk asshole. Right oh, well, yeah. That I, was it's always, I was There's, there's always
1: somebody. somebody.
0: He came very close and then he wound up getting thrown out by a girl and breaking all
1: her he records. Br- yeah, he. Poor girl, I don't know why she got involved with this, because he was, he didn't want to leave, but I would have just let him be and just left. But she tried to get him to leave, and in the process, she had a whole bag full of vinyl records, and the bag broke open, and the guy fell on top of him and probably broke him or something, man. That was, that was ridiculous, you know. But, uh, and Coney Island, baby, I was happy, the, the prices for the liquor that night wasn't, wasn't too, uh wasn't it too expensive.
0: It was normal, right? Because it was
1: normal. I don't know. They must have lowered it because it was a Sunday. Yeah. Because sometimes they're a little pricey. But it that.
0: was funny. They, they, they could have easily raised the prices because it was also a sold-out show.
1: Maybe, maybe they're making a conscious effort to, you know, be cool.
0: <laughs> I just, that, that venue would kind of bother me. I think if they would put the stage on the other side and get the yeah. table to those tables... Cause you don't need There's those tables. This fucking thing, you got to walk through the crowd to go to your fucking bathroom.
1: Well, you remember what I did, right? Yeah, you I, no, I, we I, went I, to Doc I, Yeah, yeah. I, I went to Doc Holidays to use the bathroom and, and grabbed a shot. Yeah. <laughs> I got a shot of fireball and I came back and it was quicker than it would have been going through the crowd to go to the bathroom. Yeah, that, you know, that. it's bad if you got to leave the club to go use the bathroom somewhere yeah. else. You know, they,
0: they, they were smart. The, the way it's configured tables, is uh, yeah. is a
1: little is a little messed up. But I mean, the, it's the same with Bowery Electric. Okay, I don't like the yeah. way that place is configured either. But those two places, uh, I'm I'm not putting them down because they, they do book acts that I like. So if I wanna oh, see if I wanna see live track. music, this is where I gotta go. So, yeah. you know, suck it up, you know.
0: But you gotta go somewhere else to
1: use the bathroom. <laughs> That's all right. You'll change your pace for a few minutes, you know? So, uh, we'll get to the album in a week now, and, and, and lately I've been staying with the theme of what we've been talking about. I may not always do that, but lately we've been doing that, and uh, I want to just say the, the, the first Clash album. Now, some people differentiate, because the Clash album, like I said, it wasn't released in the States right away. So you actually have a UK version and a US version, and it's slightly different. Uh, the mix is a little different, and also there's a couple of different songs. Like, the I think the US version has complete control on it which was the single that, that the, they did after the UK version was out so they threw it on there uh, but the uh, UK version has a song called Protex Blue which is not on the, the American version at all uh, they just left it off I guess for time reasons uh, because they added a bunch of other okay. songs because uh, it has Class City Rock is on there too which wasn't on the, the first one um, but uh, me I got both because I'm just like that, you know, (laughs) I got got both versions, and it's, it's, you know, if you're going to have two albums the same, that's one that you should, because it's really, they're they're slightly different, and they're both great, and uh, that's an album that's always been on my playlist for, like, the last 35 years, easily.
0: All right, Mike, so uh, what
1: do we have this week? What shows are coming in? You got any uh, shows coming in? Yeah, um, I am going to see uh, Mata Hoople Wednesday night. Now, I'm really excited oh, about yeah. this. Uh, Mata, are playing the Beacon? they playing the Beacon. Playing the, beacon. Um, the Wallflowers are opening up for them, which is, <laughs> which is yeah, throwback, right? I, mean, I haven't heard about those guys oh in a God, while. Yeah. yeah, I have absolutely no interest in seeing the Wallflowers, but there might be some people that like that. I don't care if it's Bob Dylan's kid. I don't give a fuck. Sorry, not okay. Yeah, yeah, but you know some people did like them back in the day. Um, they're playing the Beacon. The show is sold out, but there are some tickets on StubHub I've seen available. Uh, you can get them for like maybe one twenty, one thirty, one forty, in that, re- that you know area. It's worth it, as far as I'm concerned. Um, this is a band that hasn't played the United States in forty five years. Jesus Christ! And yes, Ian Hunter's an old bastard. Okay, he's pushing eighty. And but you know what I've seen the guy live in recent years and he's fantastic okay, he can still sing still play he's one of the best songwriters period that I've ever listened to I think he's up there with Bob Dylan Lou Reed a- anybody you could think of as a great songwriter Ian Hunter is that um,
0: he booked the Wallflowers
1: I don't know if he had any say in that yeah yeah if he did then he's a slap motherfucker <laughs> but you know they're calling this uh Mata Hoople seventy four because it's actually not the original original lineup. It's it's the nineteen seventy-four mostly original lineup. You got Ian vocals and then you got uh Ariel Bender on guitar. Now, Ariel Bender was also uh the guy in Spooky Tooth, okay, another old British band. Uh his name is Luther Gro or Groves I can never can say that name Grovenser, or something like that. Okay. Um, and then they got the original keyboard player from the '74 album called the Hoople So the rest of the band is Ian Hunter's Rant Band. Now there's a guy named Mark Bosch that plays guitar. Okay, so he's going to be, uh, I guess, rhythm to 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 uh, Ariel Bender. Um, you know how we got his name, Ariel Bender? Oh. <laughs> when he joined the band early on, I guess it was you know before the '74 Hoople album came out. Uh, Ian Hunter and, and, and him were walking down the street and he was just like bending all the fucking antennas <laughs> on the cars. So they said, oh, you got a new stage name now, Ariel Bender. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, there's a guy named Mark Bosch that's been playing with uh, Ian for a long time now. This guy is amazing guitar player, amazing. So the fact that he, he and I heard that he was like ecstatic to do this because there's songs that, that they're doing that Ian hasn't done in many years. Uh, when you go see Ian Hunter live, he throws in some Hoople stuff, but there's stuff that they're doing that I've never heard. Right, sure. So I'm really excited. It's Wednesday night at the Beacon. Uh, try to go if you can. It's worth it. Um, and then next Sunday is the uh, reunion of A7 bands over at Niagara on 7th and A. Uh, the Undead are playing a bunch of other bands. Um, I'm gonna to talk to the undead about possibly coming in here for a podcast. See, um, nice.
0: see how much the tickets are. Free. Are good to, oh, free! So it's I'm a free show. Right? It, it starts Where at
1: two, two o'clock. Oh, I can't get yeah, to two o'clock. Yeah, you'll be. Yeah, nah, I mean, it'll be over by then. It'll be over by then. It's kind of like a throwback to the old hardcore matinees. If we get the
0: undead next week, we can do two shows. We'll, well finish me, off the class, uh, and then we'll do a show with them. And yeah,
1: or or within the next couple of weeks, so I'm gonna speak three. to them. They they were very interested in coming in. Uh, but you know, we'll see what happens. is always scheduling things and stuff like right. that. Um,
0: that's about it, man. Can you think of anything else you want to talk about? I got I got nothing. Cause, um I got I did a bunch of wrestling shit this yeah, week. It's uh, so you this you week. Know, yeah, it's all wrestling for you this week. Yeah. And you got the,
1: the, the um, uh, what do you got tonight at the tonight international?
0: We got a WrestleMania International viewing party. It starts at five and and it's like around 12 o'clock, we'll have food, and it's, uh, it's free. It's all free. free. Is, is Freak John cooking? Freak John is cooking.
1: Nice.
0: And um, all we need, um, all we need is,
1: is heads in the chairs. Come right, in, food come food. in, free food, watch some fake wrestling. <laughs> fake
0: wrestling. It's going to be great. It's going
1: to be great. It's WrestleMania. It's the Super Bowl. Yeah,
0: you the Super Bowl of wrestling. Um, how can we get in touch with you?
1: Uh, right now, the best is on Instagram. Okay, Rocker Mike two one two. Like I said, my Facebook account uh, will be opened again this week, but I think we're gonna have a, a page dedicated to this. So I'm yeah. gonna work on that. Um, and of course, you could find me, you know, with, through the Getting Lumped Up Universe. Yeah. You and Freak, you and Freak John. Yeah. Yeah. Well come down to iBar. I'm usually in here pretty lumped up. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, another thing, uh, he just got on Twitter. Well, yeah,
1: okay. yeah. Rocker Mike two one two on Twitter. Uh, I'm working on getting that up and running yeah, now. You so. probably could put some
0: nice trivia, music trivia, out there once a day to put like a nice little music yeah. trivia.
1: Yeah, like I do this, have a I do have this. a Gmail. Uh, I do have a Gmail account now. It's Rocker Mike two one two. Getting lumped up, getting up at Gmail. And uh, email me with questions. Anything you want me to talk about, uh, get into. Uh, send me money. I don't care. <laughs> anything you know.
0: The other thing we can do is, um, with the rocker page, we can actually do polls of what do people want us to talk about. We can do yeah. like four or five bands. Okay. And we can have a show where it's the fans that they bought. Like, like, like an
1: open mic kind of thing. Like, like yeah, have the, pa- have, the fans, have the fans decide Which, what, like we can, like, what, what... You can put yeah. the
0: class. you want hear more about the Ramones. want what yeah. hear about the... Remotes. Yeah. What do you want to hear about? So, okay. That's the thing we We're we easy play. here, we'll guys.
1: Play. We're easy. Just uh, throw out some ideas, and if we like it, we'll do it.
0: And always give us a plug. A plug is always good. Yep. And um and we're looking for sponsors. If they're sponsor, we're looking for sponsor. Mm-hmm. And we'll take any sponsor.
1: We don't care. We have no scruples.
0: Even if you're a dick pill, we'll take a dick pill sponsor. <laughs> yeah, just don't be
1: a slapdick motherfucker. That's all. That we don't like.
0: So people have a good week. We'll be back next Sunday. And remember
1: Remember, don't get drunk. Get lumped up. Get lumped up.